0: So last week we started uh, a series to kind of close out uh, 2022. 2022, our theme was Kingdom Co. We ran with this whole idea of being a company of kingdom people. And so we want to transition from 2022's theme into 2023's theme, and they'll work together. I'll actually think that you'll see through this series, it'll be a seamless transition. This last kind of chat that we're going to have here is really an exhortation to the kingdom families in the room. you know, we, we, I shared this, our key passage for the entirety of this series is found in Deuteronomy six, but it's not so much that particular passage that we'll be preaching from. It's more of the truth that lies within the principles that lie within this specific passage. So before we get into this passage out of Deuteronomy six, uh, Moses has led the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. They've been wandering in the wilderness. Like Jess told you earlier, this was not supposed to be a long trip uh would you mind to grab me a water bottle that would be great thank you um I can just feel my throat getting dry and sorry feel high maintenance but it is what it is so I don't want to be I don't want to be coughing all over y'all So he's leading them out. It was supposed to be a short trip, ends up turning into 40 years. And what we'll see is a whole generation of Israelites will die in the wilderness due to their unbelief in God. And so what Deuteronomy is, is it's Moses prepping prepping the next generation of Israelites to enter into the promised land under the covering and blessing of God, okay? So as we read uh, Deuteronomy, we'll see that it's Moses. Thanks, brother, appreciate it. Let's give it up for Pastor Jesse being a servant. Praise God. So uh, throughout the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see there's a couple of exhortations or sermons, talks that Moses will have with the Israelites. And this is taken from one of those talks. Now, uh, really throughout the whole book, you'll you'll see sort of this theme that Moses is like, if you follow God, if you obey his commands, you'll live in the blessing. If you rebel, you're going to see exile. Okay, so here's one of the chats that he has we're in Deuteronomy six, starting in verse one says this, these are the commands and decrees and regulations that the Lord, your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land. You are about to enter and occupy and you and your children and your grandchildren. Let's not leave any generations out here. You, your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God. As long as you live, if you obey all his decrees and commands You will enjoy long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, your God of your ancestors promised you. Moses is saying, listen, God's command is to be revered. It's to be treasured. It's to be talked about. It's to be the center of our daily lives. It's to be the conversation. It's not just for you. I want you to communicate these truths with your children. And I want you to communicate these truths with your grandchildren. No one escapes the assignment of, of knowing and learning and living out his commands and remaining obedient to those things. And Moses says, if you'll live obedient to my commands, then good things are going to happen in your life. There will be a covering of protection on your life. Let's continue reading. Verse four. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. And then Moses goes on to basically emphatically exhort them of what they're supposed to do with God's commands, how much they're supposed to treasure them. Like the the vital role they're supposed to play in the life of all these believers. He says this, repeat them again and again to your children. Like we're just talking about these things all the time. They know, you know, they know their kids are going to know. We talk about the commands of God. This is active in our house. This is what our conversations are about. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. He's saying, listen, you got to get these, you got to, Get these commands in your spirit. You you got to talk about them. You got to you got to get the note cards out and run pop quizzes on each other. When you're walking, when you're on your road trip, come on. We're not we're playing Bible trivia. That's what we're doing. The Lord's command trivia. We got to get this word in our heart. We got to know it. We got to pass it from one generation to the next. And he's saying, if you don't do these things, Israelites, it's not going to go well for you. Like, as you enter the land, you need to obey these commands. But if you don't, and if you rebel, what we'll read later in Deuteronomy, if you read later in Deuteronomy, you'll experience exile. And so, spoiler alert how many know perfection's hard? Amen. Don't always get it right, can't always follow all the commands. And so eventually they end up rebelling, experiencing exile, and this is a common theme we see throughout the Old Testament, God pouring out his grace, restoring his people, people rebelling. God pouring out his grace and forgiveness, people rebelling, okay? And so so this is why this is why we praise God for Jesus. Because there's this law that needs to be upheld. The law is the standard for perfection. And so it would be Jesus who would come to earth, who would fulfill the law himself. Then he'd die a death that we deserved in our place, but allow us to reap the rewards that his life gained, that we never could. This is called grace. Something we could never earn, something we could never deserve. An invitation from Jesus to come, to live, to do what we couldn't do, and then to take part in what we never could. It's pretty amazing, amen. So, so I don't want to take this message, although some preachers might take this and say, and that's why you got to obey the Lord everywhere you go. And you got to, and, and it's like, and I think, you know, that's a principle that we see the blessing of God in obedience. And we want to follow the Lord with all of our heart. And we want to treasure his commands. And, and those principles are, are definitely there, but to follow this thing to the T, that's never why the law was created in the first place. It was never created for us to follow all the rules. Rather, it was a mirror for us to look in and say, you need a holy makeover. Amen. Because you're broken. So here's the principles from the verse that I wanna pull out though. And here's the truths that we see that remain true today. they significant blessing and radical obedience, okay? So we wanna lead our families to be obedient to God's word. But because we're, not, because we're not no longer under the law, we're under the law of the spirit. We know this is the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6 tells us. This is God breathed. So this is divine guidance from the Holy Spirit of God. We know that. But the Holy Spirit also whispers to the eardrum of our heart saying, forward, back. Pick that up, put that down. Move there. Quit that job, right? Now we're, we're living a life under the law of the spirit. The Holy Spirit at work within us is leading us and it's guiding us into the good things. James says, if you know what is right and you don't do it, that's sin. Now it's about living a spirit-led life. And so we, so we want to be radically obedient to the spirit of God and, and because we, we know, and we trust our leadership. We trust where God is leading us. He's leading us into good purposeful things, right? So, so that's a principle. So that obedience is significant in the life of a believer, but here's the second thing that we see from this text through the emphatic exhortation to tell you, you and your children and your grandchildren, and then have these conversations again and again with your children you see God's heart for the family. You see how deeply God cares about the family. He cares about the legacy and the measure of faith that's being passed from one generation to the next. Talked a lot about this last week. If you missed last week's message, I I, I really urge you go back, listen to it on the podcast, because it's going to give you a solid foundation for the rest of the weeks to come. But there's but as hard as to see this, maybe even an increasing measure of faith from generation to generation as we share God's word, as we share the testimonies of how he was faithful in times past and how he'll be faithful in the times ahead. There's an emphasis on reminding the children and the grandchildren and cultivating the next generation and storing his commands in the home, treasuring his commands in the home. And so it's that it's that, theme. God's heart for the house God's heart for the family of what that's supposed to look like that's going to steer all of these conversation in in the weeks to come and I think that's a, an uh, appropriate because this word is for everybody regardless of where you are whether you're a 75 year old empty nester, this this is going to minister you whether you're single and, and you're 19 and and uh, no kids or this this will minister to to you, but I think especially there's a lot of families in our church, and so I think that this is a timely word for our church in this season, especially. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna preach. Does that sound good? All right, I'm take a quick sip of this and then we'll jump into it. Tell your neighbor it's good to see him, really quick. It's, it's, it's good to see you. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. You're so good, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would grace us with a prepping of the heart, that Holy Spirit, you would till the soil of each heart in the room uh, to receive the seed of this word, that it would take root in our heart and it would grow to produce fruit in our lives. Lord, that's really just a prayer that we wouldn't just hear this word, but that we would live this word out that we would be humble enough, obedient enough, courageous enough to not just hear this word, but to apply this word, to live this thing out. God, if we come in here week after week and don't just hear, but we actually go out and do as well, I know we'll experience transformation. So Holy Spirit, help us, empower us to do that, transform us into a company of kingdom people. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody ever been through a phase where you just loved something, were obsessed with something? You bought the t-shirt, bought the shoes? I had a, I got a couple of daughters, but my oldest daughter, when she was two and three, was absolutely obsessed with the movie Frozen. Okay, and maybe some parents can relate in the room. I'm talking, she had frozen jammies. We were constantly watching Frozen in the living room. It was on the TV. When we got in the car, there's a TV in one of the cars that we own, and Frozen would be on there. And so uh, her toys were frozen, and it was like she had the characters memorized. She could sing the songs. She was singing songs that had words that weren't even in her vocabulary, but she could, if it was in the song, she knew how to say it. It was just unbelievable. You know, just this, she loved frozen. And there was one night where I had to come up to the church. I had to do a couple things and I figured I'll bring one of the kids with me, give mom a little bit of a breather. And so I take Jazzy, my oldest up to the church and I did a couple of things and we ended up getting distracted. And this short video is what it turned into here. Oh, man, you can hear the pride swelling up in Dad. This is my giddy giggle. There may have even been a tear in my eye. Uh, You see the excitement on Jazia. She jumps up and down, feeling affirmed, and like she's really accomplished something. She, She feels good, but... As I watched Jazzy so easily recite these multiple words that she probably doesn't even know what all of them necessarily mean, as I pondered her knowledge of the characters and the narrative of the movie and how familiar it was in her head and in her heart, I was met with this conviction and it ruins the cute clip, but if I had to phrase it, it would sound like this, I don't want my kid to love Elsa more than Jesus. And maybe that sounds corny, but. That's just how I felt. I always want to give my daughters praise and encouragement, but but I want to praise their character and their purity and their godliness more than their athletic or academic or theatrical ability. And maybe some of you are like, Mark, relax, she's three years old. And I get it. But I think a lot of times maybe we never escape that in our home and the subscriptions continue and the running around continues and only the most praise they get is off their athletic uh, accomplishment or their academic achievement. and that's what makes them feel significant or important or important or seen or loved. And we don't make a whole lot of time to incorporate the things of God so they memorize other scripts and other truths. Truths. I, I think it's a small illustration of what happens. That, I'm not trying to overdo it, just a s- small illustration here, but when we trade the tablet for the table or when we trade the table for the tablet, and we talked about this last week, how me and my mom on Christmas week, we we sat in the living room and, and we talked and we we read our Bibles together and we discussed it. And then I, I she's just like, that's my first Bible. And I opened it up. If you didn't listen to the podcast, you gotta go listen to it. And, it, and it's like, man, I was like, mom, you were saved on Christmas day. It says it right here. She's like, yeah. She's like, me and Aunt Jenny, we, we sat at the table and, and she led me to the Lord on Christmas day. And they, and they sat here. It's like, you know, this is, this is what the table represents. There's, there's a time where I feel like the table was sacred, Right. And so I'm not just talking about like we as families need to incorporate the table back into our homes. It's not just sitting, eating meals together on Sunday nights on Thursday nights, but it's what the table represents. It represents quality and patience and being still enough to hear what's going on in your life and asking the right questions. And well, how does God's word apply to your situation? And what is his, what is his, truth say and you know the the table is it, it's the fan it's where we talk it's where god knits us together in love it's really more more than the physical table in our homes it's, it's what it represents it's what it symbolizes where the tablet is like you know one 15 second video to the next it's the rat race of got to go here all right we're off this way we'll see you later okay bye love you all right we're going this way. everybody doing good yeah doing good okay all right good night love you it's, there's no quality. There's no intimacy. There's no. Here, here's what I'm. Here's what I'm afraid of. If we don't make time for the table in our lives, in our, in our home, then we're probably not discipling our kids. And it's not just the church's job to disciple your kids. Moses said to the families of the Israelites, to the homes of the Israelites, you share this from one generation to the next. there's some ownership that we got to wear as the people of God, as the priest and pastors of our homes that like in our house, God's word's going to be at the center and in our house, we're going to pray. Amen. At at our house, Jesus is going to be on the throne. Jesus is going to be at the center. But I I can't help but wonder if if through the convenience of technology and subscriptions and and through uh, our addiction to our dopamine releases from social media, through the rise of two-income houses, uh, the entertainment of video games, the tug of our sporting and school events, our commitment to the gym with our crowded, overbooked schedules, have we sacrificed the table to be able to partake in those things? And it's like, I don't even think that we have to get rid of some of those things to integrate the table back into our homes. It's just the intentionality. Again, my concern is if we allow the chaos to dictate, if the chaos is the king of our home and it's not Christ, then like who's discipling our kids? We think 45 minutes back in this classroom a week. You, You think, A 30 minute message from Mark or from Jesse on a, on a Wednesday is going to disciple our kids. Deuteronomy six has said, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. And then he says this, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road. That's when we get up in the morning, sitting at the counter, eating breakfast. Man, that's where we talk about Jesus. Where where Maybe I pray for my kids. When we're at the door before they they get out of the house to go wait at the bus stop, that's that's where we talk about Jesus and, and and we pray over them for the day. That's where when we're in the van, uh, we're we're worshiping in the van on our way to the basketball or the baseball tournament. That's where after the after the theater thing that our kid was just in, that's where we're talking about the truths that we see in the play that we also see running true in the Bible or or whatever it is. This is we're incorporating his commands. We're talking about his commands everywhere we go. Like just trying to make it, that's what it looks like today. Rather than zip, 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 just no quality, no conversations, no discipleship. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, tie them around your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your home and on your gates. It's about this, this urgency to intercede on behalf of our kids, to get this word of God in their spirit. that This is what Moses is emphasizing. And so for us, th- there's some ownership that we got to take as mom and dad. And I know there's all different types of family dynamics. So maybe that's not your dynamic, but we all have family around us or we have friends or their self where we need to begin to drink these things in. Amen? Because here's the deal. You and your kids, you and your kids, we're created by Jesus and for Jesus. That's a big deal. And I say this every week, but I don't think I can say that enough because that's the essence of our life. We were created by Jesus and for Jesus. And and, and their your kids' very purpose on earth is found in Christ, in their relationship with Christ and Christ has divine assignments for each of us. This is what his word says. I say this every week too, and I'm going to continue to say it, but we're God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do good things that he planned long in advance. Okay? So like, not just you, God has good things for you, but there's also divine assignments on your kids' lives. Okay? God wants to do things in and through your kids. And so he's leading us into good things if we'll obey his voice. And so we need to be reminded that we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we're cultivating kingdom cultures in our homes. Amen. But, but we're the spearhead for that. No one's doing it for you. There's got to be some ownership, it's not just mom's job, It's not just dad's job. This is a collective decision that we have to make in our home. And if you're single mama, then it's on you. If you're single dad, then it's on you. If you're living by yourself right now, then it's on you. Get yourself surrounded in some sort of biblical community. But the question is who's king of our home? Is it chaos or is it Christ? Is it the chaos or is it Christ? So last week we talked about the importance of God's word. Okay, so. So with this perspective, okay, we're God's masterpiece and we all have divine assignments on our life. It brings this, this Second Timothy verse brings a lot of that in, into perspective on why this is essential to be integrated into our homes. Okay, this is why this is something we definitely have to put on the table and leave at the table. And this is something we have to integrate in, into this time, okay? This is, this is mightily important. And here's why Second Timothy 3, 16 into 17 says this, all scripture is God breathed. Okay. This is the, this is God's breath. This is God's breath. I want to invite him into the conversation. I want to hear his voice in the conversation, right? All scripture is God breathed and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, because you might have some advice from an uncle, but if it ain't rooted from this, then it ain't the right advice. Right? So, so, this is where our advice comes from. This is where our wisdom comes from. This is where our divine guidance comes from. Okay? So it says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do what is right. God uses it. This is so good. God uses it to prepare and equip his, pe- equip his people to do every good work. So right here, not only am I inviting God into the conversation, but I'm equipping my kids for the kingdom work that God's assigned them to while simultaneously being equipped myself. This is it's this word that we've got to incorporate. So we talked about that last week. Any anybody feel? Did you feel more intentional after sitting through last week's message? Where you just you just were around your family with a new intentionality, with a new urgency of like, you know what, man, I'm gonna intercede for my family. We're gonna bring in the word. I'm gonna pray with my kids. I'm glad three of us did. Praise God. But here's what we'll find, is kingdom families don't just prioritize the word, they also prioritize prayer, okay? Kingdom families prioritize prayer. I read a statistic, I don't know if it's true or not. Who knows where they're getting these statistics from. But if it's true, it's wild, This it says this, 38% of Christians pray regularly, Okay? And so, if we if we want to see the manifestation of kingdom families in our church, it requires all of us responding to our own kingdom calling, and our own kingdom callings are to emulate the character of our King, right? True. So, but but here's what we're seeing: if the if the statistics are true, um, believers we're not praying. And so I thought about: it. I knew we were going to talk about prayer this week, and like. You know, we we definitely, so so we want to look at the character of our King. We want to look at Jesus Christ and what he did. And he's our example. And we see how Jesus implements prayer into every aspect of his life. And so we even see specific teachings from Jesus, but you'll, you'll see in the morning, Jesus goes off on his own. He retreats and he prays by himself. After large miracles, he goes off by himself and he prays. Sometimes before he performs miracles, He prays before he calls Lazarus out of the grave. He prays before he multiplies the bread and the fish. He, he sits on the mountain and he teaches the Sermon on the Mount. He teaches his disciples how to pray. He teaches them, he gives them a model. When you pray, pray like this. He teaches them about uh, persistency of prayer. He says, continue asking, continue seeking, continue to knock. Uh, he, he, he talks about the importance of faith-filled prayers, like really believing. When you're, when you're coming to God asking, he's like, you know, it just takes mustard seeds of faith and you can move mountains. And so I'm like, Lord, what do we talk about? But here's the deal. I've preached all of it. You've probably heard all of it. We know. We know based on the text that prayer is powerful. It's effective. Jesus did it. Jesus taught on it. Jesus exhorted his believers to be people of prayer. He calls the church the house of prayer, right? Amen. Amen. (laughs) but if so if you've been at church for any amount of time you have knowledge of prayer we we know that prayer is important but statistics would say if some of us are uh being honest in the room a lot of us haven't been living our lives don't illustrate how important how vital how essential prayer actually is and so I think this is the, the simplest way that I can put it. We, we just aren't living with enough wisdom to actually prioritize prayer in our house because Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount as well. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, not just listens, but anyone who listens and then applies it, anyone who hears it and then does it, anyone who follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Here's my punch. Punch and a hug, love y'all, you know that. If we're not prioritizing prayer, then you just lack wisdom, man. Then you just lack wisdom. And we don't wanna be unwise, right? We, We wanna live as wise Jesus followers. I could, I could preach on the power and effectiveness of prayer for three hours. And you, I got a bunch of passages in my head I can think of right now uh, of everything. And, and, get you know, we could get real pumped up of, yeah, prayer is powerful. And I got faith to believe in. But we've done it. And you've done it and you sat through the sermons and I've preached the sermons. Now it's a matter of actually living this thing out. Simply put, we just have to become people of prayer. Like we just have to take time to intercede. Like prayer needs to be incorporated in our homes where it's like, hey, don't eat those chicken nuggets, yet. Yeah? I didn't pray. Like, hey, what, what, you're going to bed without me? That would be a miracle, first of all, okay? We must be praying if that's happening. But you don't go to bed without me praying. Dad, I was almost asleep. I don't care. I don't care. We're gonna pray. Like I, I, we're pulling up, we're pulling up to the school, and, and I'm about to drop you off out of the car. You don't get out of the car till I finish praying. Because in this house we pray and you need to be covered up. I remember when we were fostering our 14-year-old, she would like try to get out of the car as fast as she could, right? And legally I can't hold on to her. So I would just be like, Dear Jesus, i pray that you're Jesus, <laughs> You gonna get prayed for. You feel me? And so and so we gotta incorporate, we were gonna be people of prayer where it's not awkward. It's not awkward. We we don't do it timid. We're full of courage, and we know that it's powerful and it's effective. And our kids are going to see like Jesus modeled for his disciples. Mom and dad are going to model for the kids what it looks like to be a person of prayer, and they're going to grow up in the cloud of our prayer over their lives. That's right. If you could, I knew you would. So, I. Uh, You know, this is, uh, so today I want to be really practical. Because I think some of us, it's like, maybe some of us, we know the power of prayer, but we don't feel totally comfortable to maybe pray, or it does feel awkward. That's never been our family rhythm. I don't even know what to start. And so I just want to give a very practical starting line for things that we can pray over our kids. But I think what you'll find is like, as you adopt this, and as you, I, I sort of have the same prayer that I'll pray over my girls every single night. And I'm not saying that to say, look at me and look how well I do this, but it's to encourage you that like, just start somewhere in this prayer that I pray, it's grown and things have gotten added to it. As I've believed for my girls, as the Lord revealed certain things to pray over them and my own desires of what I want to see manifest in their own life, I'm just interceding for them every night. And so every night for me, I want to give you a starting place and then it can grow into whatever it's going to grow into. But every night I say the priestly blessing over my kids, Lord bless you, protect you, keep you, make his face shine on you because Grace to you. You guys know and I and I speak it over you every week. And then I pray for their intimacy with Jesus, that he would reveal himself to them in a powerful way, that they would grow in their love for him. Um, and then I pray for that they would be full of wisdom, full of the gifts of the Spirit, full of the fruit of the Spirit. I pray over their purity, their marriage, their friendships. And then I just basically tell them how grateful I am that God's given them to me and all the things that I love about them. I think they're beautiful, I think you're smart. I love the way that God's knit you together and, and that he would get you into those good things. And so it's like every night those things are getting prayed for interceded over on their behalf. So by the time they, you know, get to 65 and they're ready to get married and they're dating, then they're covered. Okay. (laughs) They're covered. So I want to give you guys a starting place this morning. And I, and I pulled it from kind of an obscure passage here, but we find four things that I think would be really, really fruitful to pray over our kids leading up to this passage Jesus went to Jerusalem with his family uh for the <clears throat> Passover festival and somehow there's a miscommunication and Jesus's parents head back home Jesus stays in Jerusalem they get separated and so his parents start freaking out because they've lost their kid all right and so we see this in Luke 2 uh verse 48 his parents Jesus's parents his parents didn't know what to think son his mother said to him why have you done this to us Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house, but they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So here's a little nugget for any teenager, any kids in the room, any kid in the room, raise your hand. I want to see the kids where you at. Not if you act like a kid, no, I'm just, so we see that even in Jesus's life, Because here's what a lot of times, here's the lie we fall into, that we'll follow Jesus well when we're 30. We'll follow Jesus well when we're we're as old as Pastor Mark. And I want you to know that God's Holy Spirit wants to work in you and through you right now, where you are right now. And a big part of stepping into the good things that God has for you, and what he specifically commanded us, and what we see Jesus emulate, is he was obedient to his parents. He listened to his parents. So listen, I, I know you think you're smarter than your parents and you're better and they don't understand. And why can not I do that? And what am I here? And you don't even listen, they love you. And, and if you're in this room with your parents, you're blessed to have parents who are believers and, and, and they love you more than you could think or imagine. And so they're they're guiding you. And, and this is God's heart for the house. And so Jesus emulated it literally says, and he was obedient to them. Okay? So kids. We got we to listen to mom and dad, okay? Because they're help leading us into the good things and the spirit is at work in those things. And all my parents said, amen, that'll preach. And his mother, it says, then his mother stored all these things in her heart. But here's the verse I wanted to get to. This is very interesting. So Jesus was probably 12 years old about there. And then it says this in verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom, and in stature and in favor with God and people. There's our four things. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. So I think those are those four things that we can pray. Number one, to grow in wisdom. So tonight, when you pray over your kids before bed or when you pray over your kids before dinner or or both, whatever it is, here's what we're gonna pray over our kids tonight that they would grow in wisdom. James 1.5 says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Proverbs has this to say about wisdom. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom the one who gains understanding for wisdom is more profitable than silver wisdom. It's more profitable than straight A's. It's more, it's more profitable than being the captain on the team or getting the lead role or whatever it is. It's, it's wisdom. That's more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. This is wisdom. Wisdom is the tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. In the same way, God wants good things for his kids parents, we, we want good things for our kids. And it's going to be wi- wisdom that leads them in to good things. But even more than that, we see in the scriptures that Jesus is actually the personification of wisdom. Okay. I know we're getting a little deep here, but it, but it says this, 1 Corinthians 1, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. Whose benefit? Our benefit. God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and has freed us from sin. Moral of the story, we want to pray for wisdom, but, but ultimately it, it comes back to Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus. We want to see our kids, if they're going to have wisdom, then they got to be in relationship with Jesus because that's the only true genuine source of wisdom. Amen? Okay, number two, they to grow in stature. Now this word here also means physically, uh, but it can also mean maturity. That uh, Jesus grew, he didn't only get bigger, but he grew more mature. So we want to cover our kids in prayer. In prayer, we want Tonight, we're going to intercede for their physical health, for their body, for the health of their mind, and for the uh, intimacy of their spirit and the sensitivity of their spirit. We pray against sickness and harm. We pray against depression over the mind. We pray over their intimacy with Christ, that they would know Jesus and follow Jesus, that Jesus would reveal himself to them in a mighty way. We invite God's protection and his providence into and over their lives. Uh, Hebrews one fourteen it says this. It says therefore angels are only servants spirits and to care for people who will inherit salvation. I need some parents with enough faith to ask God, hey, would you assign double the angels to my kid? If if they're servants who will help you and carry out your work and care for your believers, God, I need some angels on my kids. When they're in the car, when they're at school, when they're in the locker room by themselves, when they're at the sleepover, we need angels that are going to help carry out the things of heaven. Amen. And then favor with God and people, okay? So uh, we want to pray wisdom, stature, and then favor with God and with people. That Greek word, favor, translates charis. And that word can be uh, interchangeable with grace and with favor. It's used at different times. but But defined, charis, that word is this. Of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, Turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to uh, to the exercise of Christian values. Okay. When you have God's favor on your life, we receive it in Christ Jesus, his favor. It adopts us into the kingdom of heaven, but it's also his favor that allows us to mature spiritually. And guess what? You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's God's favor on your life. It's like, man, he's just like, he just is so, she's just so spiritual. There's just this something about that God's favor is on their life. As believers, we all experience God's favor. It's unmerited grace, something you couldn't earn or deserve, but it's also his favor that allows us to mature. You You see phrases like growing in grace. To grow in grace is to mature spiritually, to become more aware of the things of heaven, to grow in our obedience, in our capacity to obey. It's God's favor. And so I have a couple other definitions here. It's what we receive through faith in Christ Jesus. We receive God's favor. We receive God's grace. In some instances, charis indicates heavenly grace from God or Jesus that integrates us into the family of faith and fills us with power. Charis sometimes refers to the quality and practical demonstration of a favorable disposition towards someone. It denotes undeserved actions of love and compassion that originate from within the heart and the will of the giver. So there's we we want our kids to receive favor from God, unmerited, undeserved acts of kindness and compassion from God. We want people to receive favor from God, but we also want to pray that our kids would receive favor with people. So what is what does that look like? That's when it's like, man, you're like your ability like I don't know. It didn't even really match up, but we're still going to get you on the team because you got favor with people. That's where you walk into the job interview and you were the least qualified, but as you sat with the people, you had favor with the people. And they said, you know what, I don't know why, but we're gonna, you're underqualified, but we're gonna offer this to you. It's favor, this is why your kid walks into the classroom and it's like, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're struggling and the teacher was like, man, I usually don't stay after, but I, I wanna help you get this grade. They experienced favor. And so we wanna pray favor over our kids. Favor with God and favor with people. We pray favor over their life, that they would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with others, okay? We read, but there's a common thread. There's a common denominator through all these things, and it's a relationship with Jesus. We need to help usher our kids into a relationship with Jesus, and it's in a relationship with Jesus they'll find all these things, okay? Really simple message this morning. Nothing nothing sexy, nothing really deep, this is, but it's like, here's the deal. We've had all the prayer messages. It's a matter of doing it. We have to implement it. Okay, it doesn't help to just hear this. We got to go live this out. We, this, this is what it looks like practically to trade in our tablets and get back to the table, back to a Christ-centered home, okay? We we have to integrate the things of God. We're going to implement his word. We're going to keep his word at the forefront and we're going to be people of prayer, And as we usher our family into relationship with Jesus, it's in Jesus that we find every heavenly spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Okay? So we got to implement prayer into our everyday lives. Our kids need a mom and dad or whatever the family dynamic might look like. It's being modeled for our kids. Okay? Pastor Mark can't do that once a week. Pastor Jesse can't do that once a week. Pastor Kara can't do that once a week, okay? It's you guys, day in, day out, before the games, before the school, before the dinners, before bed, when they get up in the morning, whatever it is, you guys are modeling. This is discipleship, and we have gotta get discipleship in the home. You with me? All right, let's pray. Ethan, you can jump up here with me if you want. Father, we love you so much. We, um, My prayer is that this word would be solidified in our spirits. I pray that moms and dads, moms, dads, grandmas, who, whatever the family dynamic is, you know it, but that there would be a real sense of ownership that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit to live this out even today. Give us wisdom, courage, boldness to if we even ha- if we haven't been doing this, to at least get started and to begin interceding for our kids. God, we pray that you would cultivate kingdom families in this house. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.